And welcome to season three of the JKR podcast presented by JKR Baseball. My name is Jay Shriglin and I will be your host. We're excited to continue the JKR podcast with season three of episodes. This season, we are expecting many great series with top-tier travel organizations across the country, while we also spotlight commits, collegiate, and professional players from across the United States. It is our goal to be the player's platform for all of prep baseball. As we continue to do this, make sure to stay on top of the J-Care podcast episodes, but also tune into the other features that J-Care Baseball presents. That includes blogs like the lineup card written by John Sparacco, player-based events like Battle of Indiana, Summit City Baseball Academy, and other events being announced very, very soon. With Season 3, that comes two new programs for athletes to enjoy. Those are the JKR Brand Ambassador Program and the JKR Athlete Creators Program. To stay on top of all these features, check out jkrpodcast.com to learn more. I genuinely appreciate everything you guys have done for me and the JKR brand over the past two years, and I hope to continue to build both the JKR brand and the game of baseball for years to come. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. J.K.R. Baseball is ecstatic to announce Cradle Batweights as the official sponsor of the Ohio Baseball Series. Check out the all-new Crado Swing Trainers at CradoSports.com. This weight is unlike any other weight available. It is designed to be attached at the hands, given optimal benefits. This unique placement will improve hand speed, bat head speed, exit velocity, and power all while creating proper swing mechanics. The cradle bat weight can be used with T-work, front toss, machines, and even batting practice, all while using your own bat. More benefits can be found at cradosports.com. Cradle bat weights range from 10 ounces to 40 ounces, ensuring that the perfect weight for all levels. Visit cradosports.com and use the code CRADO10 for 10% off. Other products offered through Crater Sports are tees, nets, weighted balls and back grips, high-quality training aids, and competitive prices. Check out CraterSports.com today, and let's dig into the episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have Canes National right-handed pitcher, 2025 LSU baseball commit Zion Theophilus on the JKR podcast for the first week of this Ohio baseball series presented by Credo Batweights. Zion, super pumped to get you here on the show tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. It's a pleasure. Awesome, man. You know, pumped to have you here on the show. Obviously, I'll be digging into the Ohio baseball scene here these next couple of weeks. I got you, Jake Hanley, Taylor Belza coming on here this week one. So pretty good lineup here to start it out. But, um, you know, before we kind of dig into – your baseball career playing for Canes National, going to LSU, playing there at that that uh, Ohio monster there at Moeller High School. I got one question I always like to dig into it first before we get started with the baseball side. For those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Zion Theophilus? Um, you know, I feel like I'm I'm a, your average teenager. I just I'm from I'm from Columbus, Ohio. I moved down to Cincinnati. When I was in the seventh grade, and uh, it was mostly it was main it was mainly a uh, baseball focus, but also my dad he used to own a company up there. He sold it, and then uh, with the non compete rules or whatever business stuff, he couldn't own another another one, so he uh, owned one in uh, Kentucky. And uh, you know, Cincinnati's closer to Kentucky than Columbus is. But yeah, I'm I'm your average teenager. I like to hang out with my friends, and obviously, I like baseball. I like to put a lot of my heart into that. So that's me. 
Okay, so you're the average teenager that throws 90-plus there up there on the mound. But um, let's go ahead. Let's dig into your travel baseball scene here before we kind of dig into the whole molar scene. Um, Canes National, you said you played there for, for them for a couple of years. Kind of take yep. us through how you got connected with them, what that experience has been like. Kind of take us through everything you've gone through with Canes National. Yeah, so I think I got – I don't. I'm not actually sure how I got connected with them, but I did play for them at the end of my 14U fall. And then from there, I just hit it off with them. You know, I love all the coaches. At first, it was Gitson, amazing, amazing coach. And then uh, next or last year, this summer, it was uh, Hux and Welch, and they were amazing too. And I really do – their organization is very professional. I mean, they have – everybody says, oh, there's the bus, there's the bus. But it's, it's professional. They make you feel like a professional so that once you get to that level, you're truly ready. So you talk about Gitson, you talk about some of those other coaches there as well. I ha I had the opportunity to talk to Gitson, haven't had the opportunity to talk to some of those guys there at that 15, 16 U level. But like you said, a bunch of great coaches that kind of treat you guys like professionals. You know, what benefits do you think comes from learning from all these different types of mindsets? You know, you got Dan, who's a little bit different than those other guys. You got Coach Petty, who you learned from this past fall, a little bit this past summer, and will be, you know, your head coach there going into the next summer. Kind of take us through the benefits you see learning from all these different mindsets within this Canes National organization. Oh yeah, these guys—they're well. They're—I'm pretty sure Dan is a—he's a scout for some team, and I know obviously Petty is with the Mets. So obviously they know—they know professional baseball. They know what it takes to get to the next level. And I feel like every single day that we were there during the summer, during the fall. They're trying to get you ready for that next step, trying to make you the best player that they can. So they are, they want the best for every kid. And it's just, it was a blessing going to Canes, actually. Yeah. So you talk about, you know, Coach Petty. Obviously, he's there, going to be that 17 new coach there for this next upcoming summer. Obviously, pretty much everyone in the travel baseball industry knows who he is. He's kind of the brains behind what mm -hmm. started Canes National. What's that excitement learning from him? Maybe what's the relationship you've built within those couple of weeks playing for him already? Kind of take us through that relationship with Jeff Petty. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's a very, he's a very good figure. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say he's scary, but. He's in, he's kind of intimidating. He'll let you know if you mess up. Like it's it's do do your job or get out. I mean, it's simple. Obviously, there's it's not that bad, but just you're there, you're there for a purpose, is what I'm trying to say. For sure. And obviously, if he's trying to keep up with that brand he's built, he's got to make sure he's got guys who want to win on the field and want to go out there and compete. Um, but kind of stick it on that topic of relationships, kind of dig it into everybody you're playing with on that Canes National organization. Obviously, you played 16U this past summer, got called up, played a little bit of 17U. Kind of take us through some of the relationships you're able to build with some of those teammates, obviously guys from across the country playing on that Canes National team. Take us through some of the relationships with those teammates there for the Canes. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, when I'm when I'm there, even outside, even outside of baseball, like this time in the offseason, those guys are my best buds. You know, I'm talking to them almost every day. And, you know, while I'm there even building the relationship within baseball, you know, if I'm able to pick anything out of their brain or whatever. Um, but also just like being there with the guys, you know, at the hotels or whatever. It's uh, it's fond memories always. So obviously when you look up up and down that Canes national roster, guys from all over the place, like we said, you from the Midwest, I'm sure there's guys down from the Carolinas, Florida, Georgia. I'm sure there's some guys out West as well going and playing from a team that's kind of all over the place. 
Was there a little bit of like a culture shock going into it? You know, as you've gone through these past couple of years, getting to know all these different cultures from different parts of the country, was that a little bit of a, maybe a learning adjustment or even a little bit of a culture shock going in and, you know, being around so many guys from different parts of the United States? Yeah. I, I mean, the, my, my favorite part personally is the accents. Uh, for example, one of my uh, teammates, his name's Presley. He's from uh, Louisiana and just hearing, hearing his accent, it's, it's, it's not much of a cultural shock. It's just kind of funny to me, but yeah, yeah, obviously people around the United States, they live differently <laughs> than how I live. Um, I Snapchat some of my friends and I can see like what they're doing. I'm not a big, I'm not big into hunting, but if I'm like, if I Snapchat, like one of my friends or whatever, they're obviously from another place, they're big on it or whatever. So yeah, not much of a culture shock, but interesting. Yeah, definitely, definitely interested to kind of learn from guys all over the play, all over the part of the country. I, uh, you know, I've had my fair share of Mississippi, Alabama guys on, and you know, it's kind of weird, kind of talking for the first time and hearing that accent come on. You're like, oh wow, that's just <laughs> not not what I was expecting. You know, you talk about you know different things that you're doing about hunting. This past uh, couple of weeks ago, I had this one guy on from Cali who was like going out mm-hmm. and surfing after the podcast, and then I had another guy on that night who was going out and hunting. Just uh. You know, crazy when you're playing on that na- national level, what the different yeah. uh, you know hobbies are for some of these guys. But, you know, looking at this past summer, you know, you being a 2025, you said you got called up there to 17U there for the WWBA, went ahead, played down there in Jupiter with them as well. Um, Kind of go ahead, take us through what that adjustment was going from your age group, getting called up there to play with some of the 2024s. What were some of those adjustments you had to make? Yeah, so obviously – if I'm playing my age, my heater, my heater plays up. It plays better than if I'm playing 17s. So a big thing would be the usage of the the off speed. And then also the hitters, the hitters are just better. As you get older, you face better pitching, you get better. The hitters are also more physical too. I can't get away with the fastball down the middle at 17s, but that maybe I could at 16. So as you look up at, you know, let's go ahead. Let's kind of dig into that whole Jupiter experience. You know, you talk about playing at that 17U level. And I was there, watched a couple of games. Lineups absolutely loaded there with Franco, Morlando, all those different mm-hmm. guys who are, you know, committed to committed all these different Power 5 schools, SEC, ACC, guys projected to go in the first round next year. Take us through that Jupiter experience. Obviously, there were scouts on top of scouts there for those Kane's Natty games. Take us through what that experience was like, um, you know, playing there for Coach Petty and that Kane's National 17U team. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, you don't realize the, how good the people around you are until you see, like, all the reports and stuff, whatever, people's, like, the draft boards. And obviously, it was it – was, I loved it. I loved playing around guys. I love playing around guys that are super good. And then them being in the field when I'm on the mound, I know that we're going to score runs. I know that we can outhit the other team. It's just my job to keep them to keep one to keep the opposing team uh on like a certain level. All right, so you're going to have the opportunity to play for this Canes National program there. I believe it's going to be for four summers, 14, 15, 16, and 17 U summers. Obviously, you being an insider of this program for so long, one of the best programs here in the country that everybody thinks about when they think of travel baseball. What do you think has led to the success that Coach Petty, Coach Gitson, and all these guys have built for this Canes National team? Um, I think that they know how to run a business, and they know what people – they know what kids want. They know how to make people better and they do, they do their best. And I think that their best is the best in the country. 
Yeah, for sure. Like I said, you know, that's kind of the that Canes brand is the brand that pretty much everybody knows. If you're walking around, you're wearing either those Mets uniforms, wearing the Canes Natty uniforms. Everybody's watching you. Everyone wants to throw their number one uh, when they're facing that Canes national program. Um, but as we talk about, you know, them being the Met scout team as well, I know you had the opportunity to put on that uniform a couple times in Jupiter, but next summer it's going to be a pretty, uh, pretty common appearance. So with you guys being that Met scout team there next summer, kind of take us through. Do you see your? Do you see being a part of this Kings national 17 U team, being a part of this Met scout team, do you think that puts a little bit of an extra target on your back and also on this team's back? I mean, obviously the Canes, like you said, the Canes, everybody wants to throw their number one, but I think that our hitters are ready for it. And I think that myself personally and the other pitchers are ready to face whatever comes at us. Okay. We're ready for, I think, I think we'll be ready for any challenge that we face. And I, I believe that we can be, I think right now we're, two or three in the country. I think that we could be that number one team. And uh, that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, with those goals, with pretty lofty expectations, not, not going to say lofty because going from two to one, you know, that's not a huge jump, but yeah, to have that happen to become that number one team in the country, go win a bunch loaded games next summer. What do you think you guys have to do? What are some of those next steps to get to that level to where you guys, where you guys are going to be that number one team in the country this time next summer or next fall? We just got to play good baseball. I mean, I feel like last summer, a little bit of uh, – yeah, last summer, we just uh, – sometimes we were a little streaky with the hitting and then the pitching sometimes. We just wouldn't pitch smart. But overall, I think everybody's going to improve. Everybody's going to get better. And I think that – I think we're in good hands. Okay. All right. So kind of moving from – moving away from the whole – Kane's national side of things to more of like the personal showcase side. Obviously you went to area code. You went to a couple other personal showcase events this past summer as well. Take us through that area code experience. You know, I hear great things about that entire week from pretty much everybody I talked to take us through what that atmosphere was like, maybe the day to day, take us through what that area code experience was like. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, you're looking, you're looking on Twitter and even everybody else is looking on Twitter. They're seeing everybody's 93, 94, 95. And being there, like seeing it, like with my eyes, it's like wow. It's I'm not. It, it doesn't. It's not like me. It's it's a humbling. It's a humbling experience, to be honest. Because I think you know sometimes you think, oh, I'm on top of the world or whatever, and then you go there and you realize how good that other kids are, and it's it's kind of a it's kind of a motivator, a motivator. But also, it's I'm I feel like I'm disciplined enough to do my own work, but it motivates you. You're like, dang, these kids throw hard. These kids are good. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as you kind of look at, you know, an area code event like that, you know, there's scouts on top of scouts there watching again, kind of dig into that whole Jupiter experience as well. When you're playing for Canes national, I feel like pretty much every, every one of those 30 major league teams have some sort of area scout there watching you as well with you going to different events like that, knowing there's so many people watching you and the team that you're playing on. How do you kind of block that out? How do you solely focus of when you're on the mound, solely focus on getting the hitter out, take us through how you kind of adjust and what that mindset is with so many scouts watching you on a day in and day out basis at events like that. Yeah. So over the years, I think that I've just kind of built like an immunity to that stuff. So I think uh, my first experience with it was actually when I was 12, I played at the Cooperstown and uh, I pitched in the championship game. So that, that was crazy too. I had, it was like 8,000 people or something crazy around. And uh, I think that was my first experience with like lots of people being there. And then from there, it was just, you know, over time you play with 
however many people watching you. And then I think you just get comfortable with it over time. There's nothing special that I do. I'm just, I'm just used to it by now. Okay. So another, uh, you know, pretty big event that you got to be a part of perfect game, all American game. I think it was the first year that they kind of put this thing together where I believe it was the 25s facing the 24s or, you know, some sort of thing like that. Take us through that experience as well. I believe it was at Chase Field. Uh, you know, yeah. what was that experience like playing at that perfect game all American? Yeah, it was super good. It was uh I think it was just the twenty fives there. The the twenty fours had their own like little thing that they did. But yeah, it was the first year they did it. And it was uh, it was a good experience. I mean, i I'm just talking about Arizona for a second. I had never been to Arizona and I got off the plane and it just felt like a sauna. It's possible <laughs> it's the hottest thing I've ever felt, but the game overall was super enjoyable. I mean, I got to see all my friends, and obviously I got to pitch, and I, I pitched pretty good. Um, and I got to see everybody there. And, uh, yeah, it was a good event overall. Okay, so looking at that PG All-American game, area code, I'm sure there's going to be a lots of showcase events you'll be playing up there for your 17U summer as well. Playing for Canes National, obviously you are surrounded by a bunch of elite-level baseball players like yourself when you're around guys like that, take us through some of the conversations that are being had, maybe some different ways you're picking the brains of some of your teammates, maybe how they're picking your brain. Take us through what that looks like with you guys having, you know, somewhat similar mindsets and all being elite baseball players. Yeah, so with the other pitchers on my team, I just like to see, I like to watch them warm up. So I'm very, I'm very invested on how do I make myself get better by doing everything possible I can. So if I see somebody else doing some sort of new if whether it's like a stretch or if it's like a tool that they're using for like pitching warm-up or whatever i'd like to you know ask them you know pick their brain just see just see like what they're doing all right so playing for canes national going to all these different area code pg all-american you know playing for canes national i'm sure there's a lot of winning going on so i'm sure there's quite a few memories going on with your teammates and a lot of things you'll be remembered about travel baseball but as you look back on these past couple of years playing for Canes National, potentially maybe playing back in Ohio back there before you went to the Canes, thinking about your travel baseball experience so far, what would be some of those favorite memories that come to mind on the field, off the field? What would be some of those memories? Yeah, uh, I'll just go by age. So my first one, definitely the best. Like I talked about earlier about Cooperstown, definitely winning the Cooperstown because those kids that were on my team, they all lived like in Cincinnati, similar to where I lived. And, you know, I, I actually like this is before like the national level. So you're practicing with them every week and then going into that summer, you're with them all the time. They're your best friends. And so winning a big that, that big tournament on such a big stage, I think it was 104 teams in that tournament. It was amazing. And then uh, leading off of that for 15s when we won WWBA, that was insane, too. It was my first summer with Canes and uh you know, I had gotten to meet all the guys, and that was before Dean played up and before Noah reclassed up. So it was like our core together, and uh, that overall was probably one of my favorite tournaments I've played in, yeah. Okay, all right. So making that adjust – not adjustment – making that transition from the travel baseball scene to high school, obviously, again, you're playing there at Moeller High School. I believe that's that, that one juggernaut there in Ohio baseball that everybody talks about. I was talking to a couple guys there earlier last week. They, you guys got like seven or eight Division One commits just on that roster alone this upcoming spring. Um, kind of take us through your freshman, your sophomore year. Take us through what those springs were looking like and then even what those expectations are heading to your junior spring this upcoming, uh, you know, three, four months down the road. Yeah, so freshman year, 
Moeller has a tradition where they don't let freshmen play on the varsity level, but uh, gratefully I was able to play towards the end of the season and I got to pitch just a little bit. We lost in uh, the regional final to Mason that year. And then uh, the next year, obviously sophomore year, we won the state championship. I pitched, uh, I pitched a lot during the season, fortunate enough to be able to pitch in the state, in the state championship and pitch all seven innings. And, uh, you know, I feel like this year, everybody, everybody's thinking they don't know how good we're going to be because we lost a lot of our, we lost our core hitters, but I believe personally, I think we'll be just fine. We're building our pitching staff. And then although, although our hitters are young, I feel like they're skilled enough to be able to get the job done. All right. So losing that core from last year's squad, you being an upper class and being a guy who's played about a year, year and a half of varsity experience. Do you see yourself stepping up as a leader this upcoming spring? Yeah, I do. Um, so a lot of our roster is unseasoned because a lot of last year, not, not that many of the juniors played. And uh, it was, I played obviously as a sophomore. So I feel like I will need to step up as a leader and lead the the incoming my my grade the juniors who haven't played varsity yet I need to be able to lead them and show them how it's done so that we can be able to win another state championship yeah okay so you said you did get the chance to be on the mound there for all seven innings of that state championship game last spring take us through that championship run what the state championship game was like and then even maybe getting that final out your point of view what was that final out looking like there in that state championship game yeah, so in that game, per, in that game, it was I'd already pitched against the team earlier in the season, and uh, I think we played in it was Owen Tangy or something, one of the teams from Columbus, very good team, but um, yeah, it was amazing, you know, just being there in the in Canal Park, which is uh, I think the Akron Rubber Duckies or whatever their their team. It was it was amazing. It's unlike any other experience, um, and being uh. Being a sophomore, obviously, it's uh, some people are doubting you. Some people don't know if you can do it. And uh, thankfully, I did prove that I could do it. Um, but uh, it was good. And then even going into the last inning, I think we were winning four to one. Uh, I just knew. I knew it was the time going into the last out. Um, I had all the confidence in the world that I could get this guy out. And thankfully, I did. Struck him out. And uh, yeah, it was amazing. Okay, so the reigning state championship there at Moeller High School. Obviously, I know you guys got a lot of championships. Again, lots of commits there on that roster as well. You being a guy who's gone through two years of this program already, probably going through some fall. I know you said you're going through some winter stuff right now as well. You know, going through and seeing what this coaching staff has done, being around that culture here for these past two and a half years, what do you think's led to that success there at Moeller High School and what's helped them just become that juggernaut there in Ohio? Definitely the coaching staff. You know, before – before our current coach, Coach Held or Tim Held, we had uh, Coach Cam, who was grateful enough to uh, coach uh, Ken Griffey Jr., Barry Larkin, elite people like that. And it's people like that that have made people want to go to Moeller for base or to Moeller to play baseball. And uh, they've motivated tons and tons of kids to go there. And then Coach Held, obviously, great coach. He knows what he's doing. Um, other coaches as well. They they do a, fa a fabulous job. And then the kids, you can't, you can't, you can't win games without the kids too. The kids, everybody that I know, myself included, we all put in a lot of work, even in the off season, we're in the weight room at least three times each week. And then, uh, and then we do conditioning as well. And everybody's, everybody's focused. Everybody wants to win. Everybody knows what has to be done to win.
All right, so being a part of that juggernaut there in Ohio, obviously I was talking, like I said, talked to Jake Hanley here earlier tonight. He was talking about how there's a little bit of a rivalry going on there between Mason High School, between Moeller. He said that competition level there in Southwest Ohio is pretty legit. Not only you two mm-hmm. teams, but there's a lot of other commits on a lot of different teams as well. No short of competition there in Southwest Ohio. Take us through, going through your guys' spring schedule. What does that competition level look like? What are you seeing on a night-to-night basis? maybe some of those teams that you've got circling on the calendar as well. Take us through what that competition level looks like there in your part of Ohio. Yeah, it's uh, it's nothing. Everybody thinks the competition in Ohio is nothing, but it is it is good. For example, like Mason, I think we play them this year. Our schedule is definitely on the tougher side this year. We're going up to, uh, I believe we're going up to Cleveland and we're going to play where Taylor, where Taylor goes to school, like you said earlier, um, St. Ignatius. I think we're playing them, and then obviously we're playing Mason. That's going to be a great game. But, yeah, every single time we go out there, it's it's kind of like Canes. We're ready to see their number one, and we're expecting that we're going to. But everybody's prepared. Everybody's ready. So the competition is definitely good, yeah. So playing for – obviously, so let's kind of go ahead. Let's kind of compare travel baseball to high school ball. You know, you kind of compared it there. Playing for Canes nationally, you're always facing someone's number one. Same thing there for Moeller High School as well. I know for a lot of guys, travel baseball is much tougher. But when you're playing there in Ohio – playing at Moeller High School, playing all those different, you know, the great teams that you guys are facing. What's tougher, travel baseball, high school baseball, and then even what's that adjustment going from the spring playing high school ball to the summer playing for the Canes? Yeah, so I – this is a tough one because I think that – I think travel is slightly harder, slightly harder because when you're facing – or at least last year in high school, I'm facing guys that they've seen 90, 92, they've seen 93. So they, they can hit a fastball, but travel, I feel like the hitters are just a little bit more like seasoned. They're a little bit more experienced when it comes to higher level pitching, especially with the teams that were playing. But high school is no joke, man. They know they know how to hit you. They'll hit you. Yeah, I was uh, I was talking like I said when I was talking to Jake earlier. He said that when you guys are facing off, it'd be pretty pretty cool to see a Jake Hanley and Zion. However you say your last name, I'm struggling with it, but it'd be a pretty cool matchup there to go see that next spring. But um, yeah. let's go ahead. Let's kind of move ahead there too. Obviously, you being an LSU commit, let's dig into how exactly that happened. Let's go through the recruiting process. Take us through you know when to get started for you. When was it that some of those coaches and programs started kind of started reaching out? Take us through that recruiting process. Yeah, so I think it kind of started 14U summer. I was throwing like 85, 86. Started to get a little bit of like interest. Going into that fall, I uh, I got offered by Duke University, and I uh, took it, um, committed there. And uh, over time, we had there was a lot of there was a lot of coaching changes. It's nothing due to it's nothing like personal due to the, any anybody, but I decided that my it was in my best interest to decommit, and then uh, I did. Fo- I followed Josh Jordan. I really, I re- do really like him. He's the recruiting coordinator. He was the recruiting coordinator at Duke, moved to LSU, and uh, talked to him a little bit. Talked to all the other coaches, and I, um, and then I narrowed my choices down to LSU or Texas A&M. Chose LSU, and then uh, like about a month after, I'd say. Um, Wes Johnson, who was the pitching coach at LSU, he left and he went to go pursue the head coach job at Georgia. And then uh, we got Nate Yetsky, who was the pitching coach at Texas A&M. So it was kind of the best of both worlds. I mean, it was uh, the recruiting process is obviously 
for me, it was kind of, it was, it was a little bit fast in the beginning. I don't think, uh, I think, I don't think I waited long enough to make that first decision, but I know that my second decision choosing LSU was definitely the better one. Okay. So kind of throwing it back there to that whole first recruiting process. Obviously you said it was your 14 new summer when it all got started. I'm sure you're still pretty far away from stepping foot on a college campus there at that point. Take us through what's going through your mind. You get that, you get that initial interest. You're hopping on that first phone call. What's going through your mind. Maybe what's that. Oh, wow. Moment that'll shoot like, you know, playing division one baseball is a reality for me. Um, You know, kind of take us through just that. Oh, wow. Moment. And maybe what's going through your mind as that first recruiting process was getting started. Yeah, obviously it's crazy, you know, I got like, I can just remember like my dad, like, like, oh my God, you have a call with so-and-so and and it was, it's very good. It's very good to see your father proud, obviously, but um, yeah, I was, I was very nervous. I mean, now, now I'm a little bit more experienced with talking, being able to talk to higher level people. So it was, uh, I was super nervous, but it was good. It was good. I needed to learn. Okay, so you're committed to Duke. Go ahead, you decommit. How long does it take for that second recruiting process to get started? And how would you compare with you being a little bit older during that second recruiting process? How would you compare some of those conversations you're having with coaches and how maybe they evolved with you being a little bit older? Yeah, so obviously with the older comes, you want you know what you want. So I knew what I wanted to get out of a university. I know that I'm putting not saying that the academics aren't important, but I'm putting my baseball career first because that's ultimately what I want to do when I'm older. I want to be a professional baseball player. So I I know what I want. I know what questions to ask the coaches, what to not ask them. And uh, yeah, obviously with age, that's come too. Okay, so now that you, you said now that you were older, you knew what questions to ask. So as you're going through some of those phone calls with some of those coaches, take us through maybe some of the key things you were looking for, some of those key questions you had to make sure that you asked those coaches on the phone calls. What were some of those key things you were looking for going through that second recruiting process? Yeah, it was definitely a lot more about development. I want a university that's going to develop me to become the best player that I can be, whether whether that's in the weight room, on the mound and I just want I want every single opportunity that I can take to get better and I feel like the coaches there are going to do everything they can to make me better so all right so you said as that second recruiting process was starting to wind down you decided between do I go to Baton Rouge do I go to College Station take us through as those days got closer and closer to that commitment to LSU what was that final thing that put them on top that made you realize Baton Rouge was going to be in your future it was. It just seemed like a really special place. I mean, obviously, winning the national championship last week, and I got to see the uh, ring ceremony for it. And uh, not not saying I didn't know it was the right choice before then, but then, then being on the campus, I was like, wow, this is my place. Like, this is where I want. This is where I want to be. Seeing, seeing the looks on on everybody's faces when they not when they won, but when they were getting the rings. Um, I just knew I could see I could see the personal connections that they'd built between each other and how much that they truly like loved each other as teammates. And uh, it was amazing. Yeah. Okay, so I want to dig into the relationship side of things here. We'll dig into the relationships with your future teammates, but I want to dig into the coaches first. You know, obviously, Jay Johnson, there, head coach there at LSU. You talk about, you know, the, the relationship you had there with that recruiting coordinator who made that switch from Duke to LSU, the relationship you had there with Wes Johnson, moved on, Texas A&M's pitching coach came into LSU. Take us through the relationships you have there with that LSU pitching staff, with that, sorry, LSU coaching staff, 
maybe how it's evolved here since that commitment. Take us through what exactly those relationships are looking like. Yeah, so obviously I had a strong relationship with Josh, even going in. Um, and then uh, Jay, I really, I really love him. He's a great coach, and he's going, he's going to continue to be a great coach. I know that he's going to stay at LSU too, which is good. Um, I want a coach that's for the, that's for the kids. You know, he's for not. Well, I'm obviously not going to be a kid then, but he's for the players, and he wants to see the players get better, and he wants to win. And I, I'm in for both of that. You know. Yeah, so as you talk about some of those players, let's dig into the relationships you have, some of your future teammates, you know, Dean Moss, Omar Serna, Miguel Syme Jr. I mean, the list goes on and on there for pretty much every recruiting class there going into Baton Rouge. Take us through some of the relationships you have with some of those future Tiger teammates. Yeah, so obviously I'm super excited to be able to get get to see those guys on campus, and then I've already built relationships with some of them. So, for example, just this past weekend I was around Omar, and, you know, I really, I really do like him, and I've got to – I've been blessed to be able um, to pitch to him a few times, although he's not on my team just without just through like the, the summer circuit, you know, been able to pitch to him. And yeah, every, every single one of those guys I know I'm truly going to like, and uh, they're obviously great baseball players too. Okay. So hung out with those guys this past weekend there for that official visit, got to see that college world series ring ceremony as well. Take us through that official visit that excitement going to Baton Rouge, what the atmosphere was like, seeing the ring ceremony, being on campus there for a game day. Take us through what that official visit was looking like. It it was it was out of this world. I mean, just right right when I got there, I I knew. I just knew. I knew that it was it was just the place. I already knew that it was the place I wanted to be, but officially being there, it was uh it was crazy. And then when you're at the football game, and the time's ticking down, and they play Colin Baton Rouge. It's it's electric. And then what about putting on that LSU uniform for the first time? What was that like, seeing those pinstripes, taking that photo shoot? What was that excitement, seeing yourself in the uniform for the first time? It was uh, it was great. I felt it's like it's like you get that sense of like feeling kind of like I made it, but obviously not yet because I'm not. I haven't achieved everything I want to, but it gets you it gets you a step closer to that. And then while actually while I was putting on my uniform, uh, Paul Skeens like walked in the room or whatever. Who's although I'm not trying to like fangirl or anything, but that's a that's a big thing, obviously. And he's although he just says like "What's up, boys?" It just uh it makes you feel it makes you feel a lot better. Like hey, I met Paul Skeens, you know, yeah. the number one pick or whatever. Yeah, he's uh, you know, especially right now, he's pretty larger than life going in there right now. Go getting that college World Series ring, you know, going in, you know, having that great year he had last year, signing for so much money, being that number one pick, you know, pretty. I'm sure he's pretty much larger than life there down there in Baton Rouge at this moment. But um, you know, you being in that class of 2025, you guys, you know, about a year away from now signing that national letter of intent, the recruiting process against. I mean, sorry, that recruiting class pretty loaded, but potentially, you know, they could be adding guys into the in the. To, in these next couple of months as well, do you see yourself maybe, you know, throwing LSU, maybe recruit, maybe being a recruiter in a way to some of your uncommitted friends that, you know, throughout the, uh, throughout the circuit? Yeah, obviously I try to get every kid that I can. I don't, I don't push them too much. Cause it's like a, it's kind of a joke thingy. It's not a joke. I really do want some of my friends to go there. Cause I think that they could benefit us, but I don't push them too hard. It's obviously their choice, not mine. But I know that if they did make the choice to LSU, they wouldn't regret it. So, 
Okay, there we go. That's the perfect uh, perfect recruiting pitch for anybody listening. But let's go ahead. One last baseball segment here for you. Kind of want to dig into the, you know, on-the-field play. I think right now in high school ball, you might be a two-way. Obviously, playing for Canes National, I think you're a PO. I think at that next level, when you get to LSU, you will be as well. If not, you can correct me. Um, but, you know, you being a pitcher, take us through your pitching repertoire up there on the mound. What are some of those fastballs you're throwing, some of those secondary pitches, maybe some mental cues to go along with those as well. Take us through what that pitching repertoire is looking like. Yeah, so just to answer the first one, no, I don't I don't hit it anymore. But, uh, yeah, I hung that up. And uh, my pitching, the repertoire, it's, I got a fastball, and then um, and then I throw a, I throw two different sliders. So I have um, what's called a gyro slider or a bullet slider. So uh, it has a lot of gyro spin, which is like a certain way that I throw it out of my hand. So it's more of like a hard, like late, it's like a late slider. It breaks at the end. It's, um, it's faster than the other one. And then I throw a sweeper, which is the one that you're seeing nowadays that everybody in the MLB is throwing. It's the, it has no vertical movement. It's all horizontal. And then I also, right now, it's kind of, it's kind of a work in progress. I've never been able to find a comfortable change up, but now I am working on that. And, uh, I'm hoping to have that by the spring so I can utilize that against uh, mostly lefty hitters, but obviously to be able to throw it whenever I want. And, uh, yeah. Okay, so having a five-pitch mix there, two questions based off of that. You talk about having the regular slider, having that gyro slider as well. Kind of what came first? How did you decide to develop that second slider as well? And then you said as you work on that change up this offseason, how do you go about developing – those pitches that you're working on, making sure they're game ready. Take us through the development of some of those pitches. Yeah, so I had my gyro slider first just because that's how I just naturally threw it out of my hand. And I added the sweeper last uh, last spring. Added it just because I feel like it's it's better to throw. It, you can throw off some hitters because for the gyro slider coming in, it kind of it looks like a fastball and then it just breaks hard if I have the – the other slider where I can where I can kind of utilize slower, I can utilize that to get people on the front foot. And then on the changeup perspective, you know, I do pitch grip stuff with it uh, about every day. And um, I have very good pitching coaches who obviously help me to the best of their ability on trying to make my pitches better, every single one of them, along with my VLO as well. Okay, so kind of want to dig into mechanics as well. And I was watching a little bit of videos there of uh, of area code here earlier this morning. Well, it looks like you got that little Jake area to tap when you're pitching. Um, take us mm -hmm. through those mechanics from the windup, from the stretch. What are the mechanics looking like and how they matured these past couple of years as you've matured a little bit as a ball player? Yeah, so I actually don't pitch from the windup. And it's not a it's not a big reason. It's just I my body moves better when I'm in the stretch. Um, so, uh, yeah, over the years, my McKinnon, I used to, I obviously have a larger leg kick, but you should have seen me when I was younger, man. It was like a, it was huge. And then I'd have the, it was like Nolan Ryan-esque. And then, uh, over the years, I feel like I've just cleaned up my mechanics in like every single aspect that I could. And obviously I'm still trying to improve them. They're not perfect, but, um, I really, I care about them a lot and I just want to be able to make them perfect so that I can be the best pitcher I can. Okay, so uh, another thing I noticed there when I was watching some of those videos on that on uh, from area code for some PBR events, looks like you're playing with a lot of passion as well. You know, where does that come from? Is that something that you've always played with? Where does that passion on the mound come from? Yeah, I've always I've always been very passionate about what I'm doing, and it's nothing against anybody else. I just uh, I wouldn't say I'm crazy, but when I'm on the mound, I feel like not 
not saying that I have like an alter ego, but I'm just saying it's like I'm different on the mound. Um, okay. I really, I just, I'm, I'm a big competitor. I like to compete. All right. So as you talk about how you're different on the mound, you love to compete. Let's go ahead. Let's dig into your game's entirety. So whether this is the four or five different pitches you have in your pitch mix, maybe you know, holding on runners as well, even the relationship you have with your catcher. If you were a scout watching your game, what would be that personal scouting report you write up on yourself? Yeah. So this past weekend when I was at uh, LSU, I, I had a meeting with uh, coach uh, Jay Johnson. And when he came in, he, these are the four things he said. It's the, the pitchability, the, uh, the command, the passion and the competitiveness. That's what he really loved about me. And I would say, if he if that's what he has in his little scouting report, I feel like that's what most most of the other people have too. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but two more questions here for you before we dig into the final segment, digging into the personal side of things. Kind of want to dig into this offseason. I know we kind of talked about this before we started recording, how you went through a little deload. You're starting to do a little bit of back of a ramp up, you know, heading into December, January, where you're doing some live ABs. Take us through that arm care. You know, let's say Jupiter comes to an end. What does that deload look like? What does that ramp up process look like as well? Take us through that side of the arm care situation, but then also in season as well, going from outing to outing. What does that arm care situation look like as well? Yeah, so I do. I do throw every single day, and I think it's vitally important for everybody to throw every single day, whether not saying that you should throw at a high intent every day, but you should get some sort of throwing in every single day because I feel like it can maximize – maximize your ability and then uh yeah so during my deload i would do uh i wouldn't do a lot of the weighted ball stuff i'd most i'd mostly focus on keeping everything light if i did do a weighted ball for example like plyos i'd do about two drills and then i'd uh i was like light throwing for about two three weeks and then now just with my on-ramp i'm just slowly building up until i can be at my maximum capacity all right, so one last question here for you. You know, you talk about how you're throwing every day, you're ramping back up. You said that's key to making sure that you're getting to the best of your ability. As you look into this offseason, looking ahead there to February, March, when the high school season's getting started, what are some of those key points of emphasis you want to work on within your development to make sure that you're game ready there for March? Yeah, obviously I want to improve on upon my mechanics. I want to improve on my pitchability. I obviously want to improve velo just like how everybody else does. But um, a big thing for me is just improving every day, just being able to see, no, did I get this in today? Did I have a purpose with this today? What are the outcomes of this? How, what, what do I need to work on tomorrow? And, you know, building that every single day and seeing where I was, say, a year ago versus where I am today. Sometimes I like to go through my phone and, like, look at, like, mechanical videos of myself and say, hey, I did this wrong. I did this wrong. Do I, did I fix that now? Do I do that better now? All right, so moving into that final segment here, like I said, like digging into the personal side of things, we got to make sure those LSU baseball fans get to know Zion, who he is off the field, not just as a baseball player. So obviously it is the offseason right now, not too many baseball games going on. So when you aren't training, aren't focusing on the game of baseball, what are some of those passions, some of those hobbies that you have beyond the game? Um, I don't have like many passions, but I like, obviously I like to hang out with my friends. Um, I go to school. I don't. I play some video games sometimes, but not not really. I'm not gonna lie. I live a pretty simple life, man. I go to school. I go train. 
I come home, I do my homework and I go to bed. I like, I'm, I think it's important that you sleep. I think I go to bed at like nine 30 or nine 45 every night. Okay. All right. You know, it's always nice to have that routine, make sure that you're ready to go, but uh, moving from passions to the motivational side of things, you know, what is that that helps you get out of bed every morning? Obviously we talked about that passion, that competitiveness that you play with on the mound, you know, what kind of leads to that? What are some of those motivators? Take us through some of those motivate, take us through some of those motivations that you have. Yeah. So obviously a motivator would just be like me, my, my dream, which is just to play ball. And then I also feel like it's not, it's not so much of a motivation. It's kind of like a discipline thing over the years. I've just known, I've just learned that I have to do this if I want to get better, if I, and then it's worked. So obviously over the years, I've just wanted to do, I want to do, again, I've said this many times, but I want to do whatever I can to make myself better, whether that's with my diet, with how I'm throwing, with when I throw, the training, the lifting. Um, I feel like myself, I used to not, I used to not be as disciplined either. I used to skip some stuff, but now I've learned this is truly what I want to do. And if I want to do it, I'm going to have to be disciplined. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I got six more questions here for you before we do end it off. Can be a rapid fire pace here. Three rounds of two questions. First off, coolest contact in your phone. You're scrolling through those contacts. Who's that one contact that not too, not too many people have? Second question, go-to playlist, whether that's working out, going for a drive, whatever. What is the, what's that playlist that you're putting on the speaker? Yeah, for your I'm not gonna lie for your first question. I don't even I don't think I have a cool contact in my phone. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I, I I could look, but I feel like it'd take too long. I'll just go back, I'll just go to the next one. Uh my go-to playlist, it has to be this new playlist I just made, my country playlist. It took I was when we were driving home from Baton Rouge. I I wrote it up. I was feeling country and uh wrote it up. It took me like an hour. I think I got like three hundred songs on there. I'm proud of it. That's my go-to right now. Okay. All right. Who's uh who's some of those main artists there on that country playlist? Uh Luke Bryan, uh Morgan Wallen, everybody like that. Too many to name. Okay. All right. I feel like that's what my play is looking like too. I was looking today. I think I've got like 550 songs I've collected over the past like five Damn. years on my country playlist. You know, you, you got you gotta be rocking out to some country music. But uh-huh. um second set of two questions here for you. Let's say I am taking a trip to your part of Ohio. Let's say I'm going there. What would be some of those recommendations you got for me restaurant wise, maybe some things to do. What would be some of those recommendations? And then second question, you're having dinner with three people dead or alive. Who would be at that table? All right. For your first one trip, uh, you just got to go downtown, man. Uh, I don't go, I don't eat out that much, but. If you go downtown, you're going to find something good. If you go down to like over the Rhine and then if you're going, if you're going to like, you need to go to like a Reds game or a Bengals game. Those are good. And then dinner with three people. Let's think I'm going, I'm going uh Snoop Dogg. Uh, I'm going to throw in uh I'm going to throw in Abraham Lincoln. And uh, let me think. I got to go with somebody smart for the last one. Oh, uh, Who's the who's the uh the really smart Neil? No, no, no. I'll go with Stephen Hawking. I can't think of the other dude's name. Okay, all right. Pretty uh I gotta get I gotta get variety so I can pick yeah, that, everybody. That, now that might be one of the biggest variety I've had yet on that question. Yeah. Abraham Lincoln, Snoop Dogg, and uh 
Stephen Hawkins. Yeah. That's, that's got to be some interesting conversations going on there for that table. But uh-huh. uh, I got one final segment here. No, sorry. I got one final set of questions here for you. TikTok for you page. You're scrolling through that app. What are those different videos that you're seeing? I know TikTok has a weird way of you know, <laughs> showing you videos of whatever you want to see. So what would be that for you page? And then final question, dream NIL brand. You get the Baton Rouge. You get that opportunity to capitalize on your name, image, and likeness. What would be that dream brand to endorse, collaborate, or partner with? Yeah, uh, my TikTok for you page. It's uh, it's kind of random, but uh, right now it's a lot of. Uh, have you ever heard of the animal a capybara? Ooh, I don't think so. It's a. Uh, it's like a. It's like a large rodent, and okay. uh, it's supposed to be the friendliest animal on the uh, on the planet, and it's just a lot of videos of capybaras, and okay. uh, I'm kind of interested in them. Uh, they're kind of cool. And uh, any brand, I'd like to. I have a. Uh, everybody comments about like my hair because it's I got super curly hair, and uh, I'd like for some sort of you know like hair kind of brand or whatever. Okay, I guess that would, that would kind of fit the personal brand there. Like you said, got that fluffy hair. One of you know obviously would be a pretty pretty good brand deal going on there. But um, anyway, man, you know that's the final question here for you on the podcast. You know, really appreciate you coming on the show. It was great getting to meet you. Great getting to learn about your baseball career. Um, I do want to wish you the best of luck as you go through these next couple of seasons there at Moeller. Maybe ho- hopefully go back-to-back state championships there um, for the state of Ohio. Go through these next couple of years for the Canes. Go down to Baton Rouge and hopefully years and years after that as well. Do want to wish you the best of luck within your baseball career. But, again, man, just appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it.